welcome to the Clemson Foothills Church Podcast. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Uh, we actually, you know, at the beginning of the semester, uh, back in January, we started a series out of the book of 1 Peter. It was called By Faith. And, wow, I think the last time we've actually had a service to where we could dig into that has been a few weeks. So we are getting back on the horse today. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, so you can turn there right now. But before we get started, um, I want to share with you a couple of things. Um, do you remember the scripture in Matthew 11? This may be, and here's what I would just ask you to do. If you're kind of, write down the verses that I say, because we're not going to stop and read everything, but you can go back and check on this, okay, to make sure I'm not making this up, okay? But in, in Matthew 11, do you remember when Jesus said, you know, uh, come and take my yoke, like, learn from me, my burden is, e- my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know how good that verse feels when somebody says it, you know, you ever, you ever hear that and you're like, oh, I want that so bad. And he says, come and find rest for your soul. And um, it, that's, that's a part we want, like the easy burden and the light yoke and all that. But let me ask you something just this week. Have you rested in Jesus this week? That's, that's different than I slept in. That's different than I binge watch a TV show, okay? That's like, have you spent time resting in Jesus? And there's a really good chance you're going, I don't even know what that looks like. I do not know what that means even, all right? But here's what it has a lot to do with silence. It has a lot to do with, like, being somewhere where you can just get your mind locked into who Jesus is, right? Because if that's not happening, you know what will happen to our spiritual life is we just become very much like, you know, just tell me what to do and, and show me like the certain things I can do and the certain things I can't do. And that that's worse, I think, than not doing Christianity is when it just becomes like this drudgery. And, you know, your, your heart can get to a place. I mean, you think of um, we all spend together in, in a week of all of the hours in a week, we all get a chance to spend about four hours together. That's not a lot, especially when you're talking about Jesus saying, you know, show familial love to one another. All right. It's easy when we're not resting in Jesus to forget how great it is to see everyone. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to just get used to like you're walking in. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. We do that every Sunday and we do this every Sunday. We, and when you rest in Jesus, I think it's different. But here's what's crazy. A chapter over from that, you know, at once you know, after Jesus said, you'll find rest for your soul. In Matthew 12, he tells a story about an evil spirit. The evil spirit comes out of a person. And the evil spirit goes around and it can never find rest. Isn't that interesting how Jesus is telling us, in him we'll have rest for our souls. For an evil spirit, they never find rest. And isn't it interesting, like when we talk about that, it's easy to go, I don't find rest. Like, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm more kind of like the evil spirit that came out of somebody. And, and you know, just 
you know, don't take that literally. Okay, Keith called me an evil spirit today. But I'm saying the character, it seems like, is they can't find rest. And I think that is more about our society than anything, of just restless, right? Instead of finding rest, we're going to take a second here and pray. Um, not just all together, you know, out loud, but we're going to pray right where you are in silence uh, because I think we've got to kind of settle our heart, all right? And it's, again, uh, you know, our gatherings are not about, okay, who's going to pray, who's going to speak, and who's going to do that, but we want to connect with Jesus. And I think there's, a, there's even a reminder we've got to have, we've got to talk to Jesus. We've got to talk to Jesus personally and... Um, and, and talk about some things, not just, hey, bless this and bless that and all that kind of stuff, but right here and right now when we open the Bible, what would you talk to Jesus about? Do you want him to talk to you? Do you want him to guide you? Do you want, do you want to obey him even when it's scary to obey him, okay? This is the time, talk to him, all right? And it's just going to be right there in silence, and then um, we're going to get started reading the Bible. So um, go ahead and pray, and then we will wrap it up here in a little bit. Father, as you have uh, just allowed us to come together, to open your Bible, to sing, um, Father, I pray that you help us to focus, not, not just these next few minutes, but just in life. I pray that we can have it be intentional with how we live, uh, Father, but that uh, we're intentional because of your inspiration to us, God, because of who you are, not just to be uh, just a focused people, God, but I pray that you move our hearts. Uh, Father, that not just when things are going good or going well, Father, I pray that you move our hearts when we're really tired and we don't want to be out of ourselves. I, fr- I-, I pray that, that you, you move us in our most selfish times, in our most lazy times, Father. I pray that you move us not just to do things, but to remember how exciting it is to be used by you. I pray that you will um, continue to fan that into flame inside of us as we open your Bible. God, help us to see your word clearly. Help us to hear it and respond to it, Father. Help us to not stay the same. Um, Father, thank you that it, it, this was serious to you. You died. You died so that we would have an opportunity to learn and grow and impact the world. And I pray that we uh, are hearing your voice today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, um, you know, I think what I'm learning about Peter, and depending on how long you've been going to church and all that, you've heard of Peter, probably, I don't know how much you know about Peter, oftentimes we kind of know Peter as either he's the guy that just, you know, denied Jesus, and that's what his epitaph is going to be, or he's the guy that walked on water, and there's kind of these, but here's the thing I'm learning the more I read about Peter is he's showing us faith is not the easy way out. It isn't. It's not. If, and this is, that's kind of a challenge to us because I would bet all of us in here, we're navigating our lives to find the easiest way, the least complicated way, the least painful way. And that's just a human thing, right? I mean, that's just, we want to make it without pain. We want to make it without problems. We want to make it through. And here's the thing. Living by faith is the high road. It's harder. It's more difficult. It's a decision to navigate and to hit things with the trust in Jesus that he's asking us to have, right? This is hard. I want you to think about that in your own life, right? The number of decisions me and you have each day to take the easy way or to take the faithful way. 
right? And oftentimes the easy way can be very self-centered and very complacent, right? And I don't know what your thing is in life, right? But you do. And that's, isn't that great about Jesus is that he didn't appoint a church leader or some guy to be around that just knows everything that's going on and he can tell you all the answers how to live your life. Jesus actually said, no, I gave you a brain and a Holy Spirit because you can respond to his word without needing a mind reader, without needing a nanny, without needing any of that. It's like, man, we need each other but not to, not to inspire us to follow Jesus necessarily, right? And so you have him saying this, and he uses some words. If you remember a few weeks back, we talked about trigger words, right? You, you know what a trigger word is? It's like happens a lot in politics and religion. Is you say a word, and it's like after that, there's no listening, okay? It is, man, we have drawn a line in the sand. And what's funny is, is Peter is like, I'm, listen, I'm going to use those words, and here's what is fantastic about that. Okay, you may go, why is that fantastic? That sounds ridiculous. Okay, his point isn't to inflame people, not to make people angry. The Bible is full of, of, of stories, lessons, principles that aren't just packaged in this neat, beautiful package that you just open up and it's already happening in your life. The, the Bible calls me and you to dig through some things, and sometimes it's hard to dig through. And so that's what I'm saying is, as we're coming here and opening the Bible, it's going to take some courage, because you might hear a word, and you go, listen, I'm not listening to that. That guy that just said it's a jerk. I knew this church was messed up. We don't use words like that, and all that kind of stuff. I'm going, listen, all that may be true, okay? But what I'm asking you to do is dive into the Bible, okay? That's what I'm asking you to do, and oftentimes... You know, sometimes we don't, everything else in life, we know when to go get help for. Like if your car's not running, you know when to go get help, right? If your air conditioning breaks in the summer, you know to call somebody for help. When something's wrong with our spiritual life, we're like, we got it. Like, don't tell anybody. Oh, wow, really? How, how would that go with your air conditioning unit in the summer? You're like, don't tell anyone. They'll know when they come in our house and it's sweltering. Like, no, 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 they'll never figure that out, okay? It's the same thing. It's like, here's the deal, is finding rest for our soul is being able to take a deep breath. And go, you know what? Even in my worst moments, in the worst part of my character, all right, is Jesus says it's safe to come and talk to people. Okay? That doesn't mean that you're not going to get hurt. That doesn't mean that people aren't, aren't going to use things against you and all that kind of stuff. But it's that idea of trusting Jesus, that junk we keep inside it just is going to, like, we're going to wither over time, right? And so part of this is just kind of calling us out a little bit. He uses words like submit. Okay, and he starts out, right, with, with a topic that's not complicated at all. He says, if you're a household slave, submit to your owner. Has he never been to America? <laughs> Does he know that that doesn't play in America? All right? You're going, hold on a minute. No, no, because here's the deal. Close to three-fourths of the Roman Empire were household slaves. <laughs> like, this was a real thing. And he's saying, listen, it doesn't matter how your owner treats you. Submit to them. You're going, I ain't listening to this no more. Stop it. Going, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to hear. But he's going to get to a point on that. He's not saying just do it just to be like a, a glutton for punishment. And then he goes on. He's like, you know, it's interesting. Is Peter's like, let me start with this. And then we're going to get into wives submit to your husband. 
And, and that may be enough right now for you're like, where's the door? <laughs> we should have sat closer to the door, right? Why submit to your husband? You're going, I hate that. I but here's the deal. This is what I want you to do, wherever you land on this, all right? Is the idea, if it's triggering something in you, dig into the word. Okay, because here's why. There's a almost 100% chance that you are thinking about this in the way God doesn't want you to think about it. It's almost certain because our culture has taught us something, and we have to always remember, you mean the character of Jesus? You mean a man who would die for me? Would he create, like, oppression for me? Right? Would he be, like, just mean-spirited? Would he be hateful? Would he be, like, one person's better than another person? It doesn't seem to be the case when, I, when we know Jesus. That's not the case. And so, you know, you may have to just poke the person next to you and say, we're going to talk about this. And, man, get your hands dirty. Really. There, don't try to be all Christian-like and go, well, can we talk? It's like, I hate this. Like, we've got to dig into this if we're going to really learn about being faithful, right? I know a lot of times, isn't it easy to go, well, faith, Keith, just tell me something I can do that'll I'll step out of my comfort zone. Oh, yeah, okay, I guess you could do that. I think submission makes us step out of our comfort zone. Okay, I just think it does, right? And so it's that idea of do we want to, how desperately do we want to live by faith? And it's often shown in, how much help can I get from the Bible, my brothers and sisters, and how fervent am I going to be in prayer? Just begging God, show me what you mean. Don't show me what, the, what America means. Don't show me what uh, Western culture means. Show me what you mean by this, because Jesus is a, is a king of freedom. And so if it's not bringing freedom, something is very wrong with how we're reading this, right? And so he's telling us to do different things. He's saying, um, you know, submit. He's saying, you know, uh, you need to live honorably among the world. Okay. Live honorably. I know, you know, Peter doesn't give us a chance to treat people poorly. I know sometimes in Christianity, isn't that a thing we give each other a pass on? As long as we're talking about Jesus, if you happen to do something, <laughs> it treats somebody No, 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 no. He's saying, no, you live honorably among the world. You live honorably among your neighbors. You live honorably among your employer and your employees. And you live honorably so that God's name will be just rejoiced in, right? And then he gets into, uh, right here as we're going through 1 Peter 3. And, oh, and then by the way, he does say there's going to be suffering. Okay. You're thinking Peter's life as a preacher, not so hot, right? I mean, these are the things you don't talk about if you want like a big church, right? <laughs> Submit and, and, and suffering. And, no, 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 man, where do I get something? Right? That's what we want in Christianity. Like, where do I get the good stuff? And he's saying, no, the good stuff comes when we die to ourselves, right? right? The good stuff comes when we connect with Jesus, all right? And it can be a little bit tough here, uh, but we're going to start in 1 Peter 3, uh, verse 13. We're going to read through this. Uh, to the end of the chapter here. Um, and it starts out, Who will harm you if you are deeply committed to doing what is good? Well, I mean, people will, right? I mean, that's kind of a dumb question. <laughs> well, people will still, but he has an answer for that. He says, even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Remember, we've talked about that on, on Wednesdays. Is blessed means fulfilled deeply at peace, okay? 
which is, which is so strange. We could probably stop there and go, this is the weirdest thing in the world. I don't know any Christians that are like this. All right? Then, then that's where you need to stop and go, boy, I've got, I have got to grow in faith. Man, this is where I've got to pray and get help because I'm going, man, am I blessed in the bad? Do, do people see that in me and how I go through difficulty? Don't fear what they fear or be disturbed, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Okay. So he says to do this always. Okay. Not, not just church leaders, not just you know, family group leaders. He says this is how everyone should be if we're going to live by faith. Always be prepared to give a defense. So I want you to think, I don't know what movie's playing in your head about what that looks like. If it looks like yelling, if it looks like, oh, there we go. Always give a defense. That's great. Man, I can run it through somebody. Okay, that's a really good opportunity to go. Yeah, I don't think that's what he means. Always be, a give, always be able to give a defense for the hope you have. I wonder if we walked out right now and somebody were to just stop you. You were in that room right there. And I saw it was the Clemson Foothills Church. So I'm guessing that you're somehow connected to Christianity. What hope do you have? Would that be something you would go, man, let me tell you. Okay. Not, yeah, you should come and see this. That's great. You should. But what about me and you being able to go, let me tell you what hope I have. Let me tell Thank you for asking me that question, okay? And this isn't even, let's say somebody even kind of provokes you. Well, Peter goes on to that. He said, um, do this with gentleness and respect. Well, that's how disciples are supposed to be. That's just, that's it right there, okay? There, there is no, like, ungentle, disrespectful discipleship, all right? It's do it with gentleness and respect. So somebody could come in and go, let's say they see you walking on out, and they go, oh, you go to that stupid place, Christianity's garbage, man. You don't even know what you're all about. And, you know, no matter what you say back, it has to be gentle and respectful, all right? Isn't it too easy, even among brothers and sisters, to feel like, you know how you're really going to learn about your sin is when I'm disrespectful to you? When I talk down to you, when I just like, let me just lay it on you straight. I'm like, yeah, tell the truth. But I mean, you can tell the truth without having to like inflict pain, right? The truth can be told and we need to tell the truth. But I think we have to look at this. He's saying if we want to live faithfully, okay, but gentleness and respect doesn't mean avoiding truth. It doesn't mean not talking about hard things. But the one thing I want you to think about, I want you to write down, the one thing that, that inspires me when I'm reading this is, um, what if somebody were to ask me this? Like, why do you live this way, Keith? Why do you choose to do this? What hope do you have? Like, what, what, in, what, what makes you kind of enthusiastic about life? Because far too often, you know, Christianity, there's no, like, enthusiasm. It's just like, dude, this is boring. This is ridiculous. This is like, you know, and it shouldn't, shouldn't be that way. So that may be the place you go, that's my takeaway. All right? Am I living in a way, good or bad circumstances? I'm going, man, I have hope in Jesus, and here's what that looks like. Here's what that looks like in my worst day. Here's what that looks like in my best day. Here's what that looks like in the way I obey, okay? And then he goes on, 
And he said, um, do this with gentleness and respect. Keep your conscience clear so that when you're accused, those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame. Because people will still make stuff up. They go, man, they're such a jerk. Well, wasn't he being kind of gentle there? He's a jerk anyway. Okay, I mean, live in a way where it's like, hold up a minute. People can say whatever they want, but it's not accurate. Okay? Do this this way. And he said, uh, for it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. After being put to death in the fleshly realm, but made alive in the spiritual realm. Okay, what's that just mean? That just means he died in the flesh, and he came back fully to life in the spiritual realm. All right? Which shouldn't surprise us, right? I mean, God is spirit. He's everywhere. He's like, no, no, he was alive in the spirit. And in verse 19, he says, in that state, in his spiritual state, he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while an ark was being prepared. All right, you got to just, we're going to stop for a short second here, okay? Because that should be weird to you. Okay, if you're going, yeah, man, hey, man, yeah, I love this. This Bible's awesome. You're like, really? Because this is weird. It's okay to say it, right? Don't, it's easy to go, oh, if it's weird, I don't want anybody else to think that, you know, because, you know, you look down the road, does does Rich think it's weird? Boy, he's not even spiritual because I don't think it's weird. I'm going, I think it's weird, okay? It's okay to look at it and go, hold on a minute, Jesus did what? What did you do? What did you do there? Oh, so when Jesus died, and when he, when he came back to life in the spirit, it says he went to these disobedient spirits. And now, now he's not talking about people. But he went somewhere, right? And he said he made a proclamation to them. And he said, in fact, these spirits, they were the ones who were active way back when Noah was building his ark. All right, so you're going, hold on a minute. Jesus, how long has he been thinking about this? He's going, man, the minute I get to go back there. And he's going, what is he saying? What do you think he said? Don't answer that question, because we don't know, okay? It's one of those things. We don't know. And this is where we can get messed up in this section. We can go, wow, this is so weird. And what I want to know is all the information, and what did he say? And here's the thing is, it just doesn't say what he said. Says what he did, which should pretty much amaze us to go, oh, you mean you can do that? Because we can't do that. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yeah. A little reminder there Jesus is king of everything. Everything obeys him when he tells it to obey him. So that means time travel. That means spiritual world. That means all of that. And says he went, and, and don't get caught up in, well, what did the spirits look like? And what was that all about? And he proclaimed, and in the days, but here's what I want you to remember in this story. And when you tell the story, is he went back and talked about a time when, uh, you know, that story to us, right, Noah's Ark, that story is so pervasive in our culture. It's transcended religion, okay? It's not just a Jewish thing or a Christian thing. It's a cultural thing. Like, there's very few little kids that don't have a book about Noah's Ark. It doesn't matter if they or go to church or if they don't go to church or whatever, it's like you learn about Noah's Ark, okay? And this is so awesome about the apostles and about Jesus 
is he's going to make a point about a story that everyone knows about. Everyone's familiar with it, okay? It's not like, you know, like we live in a time now where there's a lot of people in here, you're Avengers fans. You love Avengers, okay? If you aren't used to watching the movies, you're kind of like, who? What? People are talking about, did you see that? Whoa, I can't believe Thanos did that. Did you see? And, and if you've never seen, you're like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, I don't know. Really? Can you believe so-and-so died? And, and you're just like, I don't even know who that is. Like, Maybe, I guess. I don't know. It's a movie, right? Okay, he's not using examples like that. He's using an example that everyone can come in on and go, oh, yeah, yeah, Noah's Ark. I remember that. I remember when God told Noah to build an ark, and he said, here's what I'm going to do. God is going to wipe out life on earth through a flood. All right? But there's going to be eight people in this boat. They get to live. All right. And so Peter, he starts out and he tells us this little story about Jesus going down and proclaiming. And, and here's what he says, though. Okay, so let's, let's keep reading here. He said, uh, God patiently waited right there in verse 20 and a half. Okay, God patiently waited in the days of Noah while an ark was being prepared. In the ark, eight people were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not the removal of filth of the flesh or dirt on your skin, but the appeal of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, trigger. Trigger, right? This is like, boop, 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 trigger. Oh my goodness, he says saved in church. Oh my goodness, he said baptism in the same sentence. Uh, you know, and it's just like, depending on where you're at or where you've come from, you're like, oh, now here's where he gets judgmental. Okay, well, that's not what Peter's talking about at all. <laughs> like, listen, anytime we get triggered, let's take a deep breath. Okay, let's figure out what's he talking about. Because okay. unfortunately, you want to know what's happened over hundreds of years, past couple hundred years, is Christianity has just become kind of like everyone has their little silo they go into. And we defend our silo above the word of God. Well, no, no, my silo believes this. So I don't care that it's in the Bible, but we're fighting against that silo because they believe that. All right. What I'm asking you to do is, listen, open the doors and come on out. Let's figure out what the Bible says, okay? That's where freedom is. That's where it's like, oh, whoo. You know, you know those little kid toys? I was watching um, uh, Zoe had one of these the other day. You know those toys where it has a shape, and you have to put the shape in the outline shape, right? And, and have you ever tried to put a shape in that didn't, wasn't supposed to go? Like the circle doesn't go in the star, right? And you try to push it as hard as you can. It's so frustrating, Okay. But then once you put the right one in, you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I remember when I first learned that, you know, in fifth grade. And it was, I was like, wow, this is, I never knew this, you know. But it's one of those things where it's just kind of like, boom, that is fantastic. Unfortunately, I think it's so easy to get entrenched into our own kind of styles of Christianity, that it's like, I'm going to put my peg in this hole. I don't care if I have to hammer it in. And then there's just a general kind of frustration with people. And so we fight. That's what Christians do well. And isn't that crazy? <laughs> right? You know what they do well? They fight, okay? No, let's not do that, okay? But he says this. Um, he gives them some information. He says, I want to paint a picture for you. I want you to picture that. 
You have Noah, and he's working away, and he's building this boat, and it's starting to rain a little bit, and he's going, okay, listen, my wife and my three kids and their three spouses, let's go. Let's get on in there, okay? And they're floating along in the water. Creation is destroyed, right? Life is destroyed. There's only eight people left. He said, he said guys, you've known this story from little, how God saves people through water. He told that story from the beginning, but here's the crazy thing, okay? Most of us, when we think of Noah or the ark, we go off on these tangents like, where is the ark today? Like, man, I read a Facebook article the other day. They found it like in St. Louis or something. You know, I mean, it's like, that's what we want to know. And you're like sharing it. Look at this. They found the ark. That's not the point. Listen, Christianity doesn't hinge on us finding everything. And, and here's a really good chance if we had a big old wooden boat and we lopped over on an island somewhere, we'd probably use that boat for shelter. Okay? We wouldn't go, hey, keep this preserved, people. <laughs> I know it's pouring out here. I know it's cold, all right? But no, no, no. It's like there's wood. We need houses. Let's do that, okay? But don't go on tangents. Oh, okay. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear? We got a picture of what Noah looked like. Hey, did you, get, did you hear about this? How a polar bear was in the ark the same way as a moose was and the same way as like a gecko? Man, and you know, and there are all these craziness. And, 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 and Peter's going, stop. Stop trying to figure that out. It doesn't matter. All right? It's like sitting around trying to figure out all like the backstory of Harry Potter or something. Or Avengers or something like that. And you're going, oh, you know what, though? Did you know that? Stop. Just relax because God, God had that happen for a reason. So he would teach us. So he would teach us. Okay? Unfortunately, this has been kind of an abandoned thing. Or it's become a doctrinal thing. It's like, I don't believe this. Okay? Or it's become an informational thing. Right? You may have grown up believing this. That baptism saves you. You may have grown up believing that. And you're going, oh, okay, that's cool. I need information. Except it's not informational. It's not informational at all. Right? He's saying this. He said, listen, I save people through this water. And baptism now, immersion, saves you. He says, it's not like your skin gets clean because you went in like when, when Micah went into Lake Hartwell, his skin wasn't cleaner. In fact, I would argue it was dirty. Okay? <laughs> All right? I mean, that's just the truth, okay? I mean, it's not, if we're thinking like, oh, man, yeah, you can't clean the outside, okay? And all of our argument, and here's what I'm saying. It is so easy to go into these doctrinal issues and come out angry instead of going, you know what? This is awesome. This is good news. This is such good news. And I know there's some of you guys in here, you're wrestling with this right now. Okay, I didn't choose this because you're doing that. All right, this is just, we're reading through this. But there's something about this where we can almost go, this can't be good. This doesn't feel good. This doesn't, and we're fighting against ourselves instead of going, hold on, Peter said it's great. It's awesome. It's incredible. But it's a work. That's what it is, right? It's a guy doing something to get saved, except... Peter says that too. He says, no, 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 no. It's not. It's an appeal to God for a good conscience. It's an appeal. You ever thought about that? Getting baptized, I am appealing to you, God, for, for a good conscience, for a clear conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus. That's how it happened. Through the resurrection of Jesus. Okay. So there's, 
a few groups, right? Even in this small group, there's probably a few groups that you're thinking different things. Like if this is like a no-brainer to you, it might just be information. You're like, oh, cool, we did this uh, neat sermon in church, and it was just information I knew already, so let's go. All right, and I'm going to say repent. All right, it wasn't given as information. It wasn't given to you as a tool of, uh, to be used against people. It wasn't given to you just so you could live your own life, okay? It wasn't given that way. Be grateful and then go and share it, okay? And then there's, you, you may have been like in my boat or in Abby's boat where it's like you've grown up and you've grown up spiritually, so to speak. I mean, in a Christian background with parents who were trying to do the right thing and all that kind of stuff. And then you read this and you're like, man, this makes me so angry because it wasn't what I've always learned. And this would be so embarrassing for me to go and do this now because then you know what people would think about me? They would think I'm not that spiritual. Okay. And that is not what he's saying at all. He's saying, man, make an appeal through the resurrection of Jesus. And then, um, so you, you've got to kind of weigh around, like, well, okay, where am I with this? Where am I? Is this making me angry and I don't want to talk about it anymore? Or do I want to dig in? Or do I want to keep making excuses or something like that? Um, and, uh, and he tells us this, and, uh, you know, it should kind of stir us a little bit. Where, wherever we are, it should stir us a little bit, okay? And you're going, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about going into water? Like, what's the big deal? What, I, I didn't go into water. I just, I prayed Jesus. Okay, what's the big deal about that? I mean, is Jesus really going to be that nitpicky? Let's tell the story of God, okay? Where God gave good things, and man decided to do it their own way, all right? God said, I'm going to feed my people. I'm going to feed them because they can't eat on their own. So I'm going to rain down manna every single day. And all I'm going to tell them to do is don't eat it on the Sabbath. Don't go out and get it on the Sabbath. All right? You know what the point of that is, is that God's people were supposed to go, this is awesome. He is taking care of us. And it sounds like it tasted pretty good. And y'all, that's going to be great. And then, you know, Joe Smith, the Hebrew, decides no one goes out and collects it you know, extra, or no one goes out and gets it on a different day. And he goes and decides to do it on his own, and then God kills him. <laughs> like, is that fair? Um, if I do that to you, it's not fair. All right? But when God, who sent his son to die, who's just saying, just do this simple thing the way I'm telling you, because there's a reason for it, and you go, nah, I'm doing it my own way, well then, yeah, it's absolutely fair. All right? I know it's tragic for us, but there's a history of man taking God's way and going, is he really going to get angry about that? Like, are you, really, Jesus, when I go up there, you're going to be like, I did all this stuff, but I wouldn't submit to you in baptism. Like, really, you're going to make a big deal about that? I'm going, well, that's the point of faith. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't have like a physiological report of how the Holy Spirit comes into your life in baptism, okay? I, I don't know how God is going to react to all of that. But what I do know, this is really, really, really great news. And here's the other side of it. It's not the end of the road. This is a part, okay? Let me show you a really weird section of the Bible. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, this is a, this is, this is a strange section right here. Actually, 1 Corinthians 1. Um, and you're going to go, aha, I got him! That's why I'm going to give it, because maybe so. Maybe so, okay? So Paul, one of the greatest evangelists of all time, he says this. The people in Corinth were going like this. Man, Steve baptized me. So I follow Steve. That's who my loyalty is with. 
And then Jen Graham says, well, well, Lauren baptized me. That's who my little, I'm with Lauren. And I'm with this. And, I went, and there were these groups in the church that were like, no, no, man, I trust Pat. You know, I trust him. I don't trust, you know, whoever, Alex. I don't, I don't trust him. Like, our group has gotten on straight. His group doesn't have it on straight. And I was back. And, and Paul's like, dude, y'all are missing the point. Okay? Jesus is who you're baptized into. All right? But he goes on. Uh, he says uh, in verse uh, 11, For it's been reported to me, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 11, It's been reported to me about you, my brothers, by members of Chloe's household, that there's rivalry among you. All right? What I am saying is this. Each of you says, I'm with Paul. No, I'm with Abolos. I'm with Cephas. Some of you say, I'm with Christ. Is Christ divided? Was it Paul who was crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say you were baptized in my name. Although I did, in fact, baptize the house. Stefan. I love that part because he's like, I'm glad I didn't baptize none of you guys. Oh, well, there was that, you know, First Street and Main Street and the whole northwest side of town I got. Okay. But he says, man, I'm just glad that y'all aren't going around saying, oh, no, no, we follow Paul. He's saying, no, no, I did do this. Beyond that, I don't know if I baptize anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to evangelize. Not with clever words, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. Okay. This is so important when we talk about the context of 1 Peter 3. Because you go, well, hold on a minute. Paul's saying he, he wasn't sent to baptize, but Keith, you just said baptize saves you. And you know one of the worst things that you can do is to take something and make that the end of the road. That our goal as disciples is not to go and baptize people. I'm glad our YouTube channel is off. It isn't our goal. You're going, what on earth? Did he just go like totally crazy? Somebody stop him. Did he just really say that? No, no, no. So you know what we're called to do? To proclaim the gospel. Uh, Unfortunately, it's very easy to go, no, I just want to get down to brass tacks. And like, no, you got to be baptized. And then you know what ends up happening is people get baptized and left alone. Right? That ain't how Jesus did it. Right? He's going, no, no, you proclaim the gospel. Okay, remember, gospel means good news. That's great. Right? You know, when you have good news, you smile. Like, good news is fun. It's not like dragging somebody through. Come on, I know it's Christmas. I've watched you all these gifts. And you're like, ah, this is garbage. No, no, no. It's like, good news is like, oh, wow, this is great. Okay? That's what we're called to proclaim and to proclaim it clearly. And, and chances are, most folks sitting around the nation today in Christian churches don't even know what the gospel is. Nigga Keith, you are so judgmental. How do you know that? How do you do that? You are so mean to people. I'm saying this. You go ask people. I, I literally walk around asking people, and we say one thing. The gospel is Jesus coming to earth and dying and rising again. Okay? That's like reading the second Harry Potter book and saying you know the whole story. That's like watching Thor and you know everything about the Avengers. Okay? Yeah, Thor's a part of it. But the good news is huge, right? Because the good news isn't just about something Jesus did so he could keep us from going to hell. It's this empowerment 
to live a life filled with peace, more fulfilling than we ever could on our own, and we would help others do the same. Okay. And the thing is, is, is that's almost 100% lopped off. It's just like, no, it's just, it's this thing about Jesus dying and rising again. Well, that's great information. Except he put his Holy Spirit inside of us to live miraculously. Not just to live better. Right. It really, as disciples, we should be experiencing miraculousness regularly. Like there really should be points in our life where we're going... I don't know why I had a good attitude in that situation because I normally wouldn't have a good attitude. I don't know why I wanted to help that guy. He's a jerk. For some reason, I don't think he's a jerk anymore. I'm just like, because here's the deal is that's normal when the Holy Spirit's inside of us. That's a normal thing. Man, I normally get really tired, man. I'm not tired right now. Whoa, why is that? Okay, that doesn't mean that you can go without sleep, okay? That's not, it's not a, it's not a circus trick, okay? But it's the idea of empowerment by the Holy Spirit that, that we're for, we can forget that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is so vital. Okay? And so when he says this, we've got to listen to what Paul's saying. We're not being sent out to go and convince people to get baptized. We're being sent out to proclaim the gospel. And you know what one of the things along the way of proclaiming the gospel is what we learn in Acts chapter 2. What should I do? Because this is so awesome. Like, hold on a minute. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy, and there's nothing I can do to make myself worthy enough. Like, what should I do? Repent and be baptized. Oh, is that it? And then I can come out and kind of do it. No, 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 no. Now let's walk to follow Jesus. But I've been following Jesus for a long time. That's great. That's awesome. Like, there's, listen, there isn't like this, well, no, if you weren't baptized by a certain time and a certain age and before you were, before you learned to, no, no, no. You may go, gosh, I know the Bible inside now. Amen. Because what the gospels, the good news calls us to is, let me be immersed in water through the resurrection of Jesus. So that I can have the Holy Spirit to guide me. And you want to know what? Here's why it's good news. That is the simplest thing in the world. That is the absolute simplest thing in the entire world. You don't have to take an exam. Alex was telling me he had took an exam the other day. I think Alex is probably the smartest dude in in our church, probably. And and he's going to get in trouble now because he ain't smart. I'm smarter than Alex. You know, <laughs> you know, some of y'all thought that, okay? But Alex goes, man, I took this test, and I didn't even make it out. You know, I didn't finish it. And, wow, wouldn't that be horrible if Jesus was like, here, I'm going to give y'all a test? And, man, if you don't answer it Jesus' way perfectly in 20 minutes, <laughs> then you don't get to be a Christian. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? He's like, no, appeal to God. Appeal to him in baptism. Appeal to him to clear your conscience. Appeal to him to give you the Holy Spirit. Appeal to him, and then you want to know what? Keep following Jesus with others. That's so good. That is such good news. I I hope there's a really a time in our city and state and country when we can sit down and have that conversation without it turning into a fight. I really do. I hope that happens. Because I'll tell you what, man, is, is I fought it for a little bit, and then I thought, wow, you know what's funny is um, my father, my father was a disciple for like seven years, right? I proclaimed the gospel to my family, right? And I'm going, wow, thank God. Thank God for that. Right? And so that's what I'm saying. Dig in, okay? It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to go, man, this church is a bunch of wackos. It's okay to do all that kind of stuff, but remember, we're digging into the Word of God. And Peter says, he says, listen, I'm telling you all to do this. This is great news, 
And then the last verse here, we're going to finish up, but this is, this right here is absolute money. First Peter chapter three, right there at the end, he says, now that Jesus has gone into heaven, he is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Okay. That is the awesomest thing in the world. Awesomest isn't a word. I know. You're going, you can't do that. You can't just add EST to the end of the word and make it a word, okay? Here's what's so incredible about it, okay? When Jesus was going to the cross, he said, I could call on my father to do what? Remember? To send who? Or to send how many of something? Legions of angels. Okay, like what is a legion? Like 5,000? Something like that? So you're going legions of angels. And you know what's interesting is there was an angel, talked about it in 1 Corinthians 10, but back, I'm trying to remember where it was, in Numbers or something, they killed like 180,000 people in one day. Right, right. that's better than Rambo. That's better, that's better than, than you know, whoever, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy guy. You know, that's better than, that's better than all these people were like, wow, that dude is awesome. What a great, and you're on this angels, just like 180,000. That's stunning the power that God has at his mercy. And Peter's writing this. He says, don't ever forget this. Jesus is up there, and there are authorities and principles and powers that are all in submission to him. And you think, wow, you mean that he can, like, deploy those to help us live? You mean he can deploy those? In the service of his church, you mean he? Sometimes we just think, "Oh man, I hope this happens." Instead of really praying through like spiritual warfare, of really like, hold up a minute, there are evil angels and authorities and powers, but then there's gods. And if there's one thing I'm learning, even as we fast and pray more, is fasting and praying more in line with spiritual warfare. Of going, man, God, you have Jesus, you have his word, you have his church, you have authorities, you have angels, you have powers, you have, you have overwhelming strength. What can't we do? Okay. You've got to think about that spiritually. Hold on a minute. What, what, what could we be scared about? What, what's unconquerable in our life? What are we, that would never happen. Hold on a minute. Really? Like, you think that, that this power that's with God is going, no, 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 y'all are too, can't help you. What about the fear that we experience when we're called to follow Jesus? You think God can't dispatch so much encouragement and so much courage and so much that we don't have to come up with it ourselves. He lavishes it on us, right? But me and you, we've got to pray that way. Uh, man, I don't like this. I don't like some of the things I read in the Bible. But I want what God wants, and I want to learn what he means by that. And it's scary, and I need help. And that's an okay thing to pray. I just need help to like this. I need help to learn this. I need help, and not necessarily even from people, but from God. Help me overcome my my fear of looking into your Bible.